Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 249. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Today's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Between writing notes, filing insurance claims, and scheduling with clients, it can be hard to stay organized. That's why I recommend Therapy Notes. Their easy-to-use platform lets you manage your practice securely and efficiently. Visit TherapyNotes.com to get two free months of Therapy Notes today. Just use the promo code TherapyChat when you sign up for a free trial at TherapyNotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, here with you again to bring you what I hope will be a thought-provoking episode. Uh, This week, I am bringing you an interview I did pre-pandemic, which probably is, in a way, could have been predictive of what was to come or what we can experience from what is happening now, meaning the both the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic that's affecting people worldwide, but also in the U.S. and around the world, there's unrest and people are speaking out against injustice and saying that this is time to really make change. So what I talked about with my guest today, Dr. Susie Ross, is the process of transformation that comes through adversity. And she breaks it down in detail how this process happens and tells you about the work she does. And her book is about transformation as well. My guest today, Dr. Susie Ross, is the coordinator of recreation therapy at San Jose State University, and her primary research examines the underlying archetypal pattern of personal transformation, which is the subject of her book, The Map to Wholeness, Real-Life Stories of Crisis, Change, and Reinvention. Dr. Ross has numerous published articles in peer-reviewed journals and has spoken to participants attending local, state, national, and international conferences. As a consultant, she provides support to healthcare agencies and to individuals 
individuals in private practice. And as a recreational therapist, she specializes in the treatment of women survivors of sexual trauma, post-traumatic stress, and she does adventure therapy. In partnership with Indigenous elders, Dr. Ross leads study abroad to ancient Peruvian Inca sites for the recovery of Indigenous wisdom through sacred play. Susie lives close to the ocean and loves to be immersed in nature. And I think you will find this conversation very interesting. I know I did. So let's just dive right in and listen to my interview with Dr. Susie Ross. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today I am very excited to be bringing you an interview with someone who has done a lot of writing and research on transformation. My guest today is Dr. Susie Ross. Susie, thank you for being on Therapy Chat today. Hi there. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. So you are the author of the new book, The Map to Wholeness, and you're a professor at San Jose State University in the Recreation Therapy Department. And I am really interested to kind of get in with get into talking with you about how we're transformed by our challenging experiences. But before we even start, let's just, if you will, take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience and tell them a little about your work. Sounds great. Well, I've been a professor now for 20 years. And prior to that, I was a clinician. By trade, I'm a recreation therapist, and uh, and now I teach recreation therapy. And um, and my specialization as a therapist uh, was in mental health because recreation therapy, um, you know, is is in many different uh, types of agencies and services. And so we can be in physical medicine and rehab. We can be in mental health. We can be in forensics. We can be in skilled nursing, in city park and rec, uh, wilderness therapy, therapeutic camps. So recreation therapy is so many different places, pediatrics. And, um, but my particular specialty was, uh, or is in mental health and in particular working with survivors of trauma. And, uh, in my master's degree, I worked with women survivors of sexual trauma. And my interest in helping them with a, as a, from a recreation therapy perspective was adventure therapy. And so my research was looking at the outcomes of adventure therapy intensive program, a three-day program, and looking at the outcomes in, in relation to personal empowerment. And Ooh, um, I love that. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, I want to read your dissertation and I never yeah, say that. Yeah, that, yeah, for real. It was, it was a really neat study. And, um, you know, I, I went into adventure, like towards adventure therapy and in recreation therapy in particular, um, one, because I just really like uh, experiential modalities, something that's holistic, body, mind, spirit. It, it just I find it to be really potent and uh, getting right to the heart of things and uh, and also allowing uh, shifts to happen. I, I feel um, it's just there's an immediacy to when when we play in particular. Uh, when we start playing, uh, it's, it's difficult to lie, you know, uh, when you're, when you're playing because you're, you're enjoying yourself, you're engaged in the experience. And so the body and the, the being, you know, reveals truth. And, uh, I, I really like that aspect of it. But also like, for example, when I worked with the women and also later veterans with PTSD, 
for example, uh, you know, if you climb in a ropes course type of situation, if you climb up a pole and you have all this uh, apparatus, like climbing apparatus around your waist and you climb up the pole and you, you're, you get to the top of the pole, it looks just like a telephone pole and you're held in rope, rope uh, so that you're entirely safe, but it doesn't feel like it. And you stand up on the top of that pole. That alone is, is such a feat. And then the next opportunity is to, to leap off of that po- pole towards the trapeze. And of course, it's the trapeze is just a little bit too far to, to reach for most people. So you're just diving off into the air. And it, that's such an exhilarating experience. Um, it's so deeply visceral and requires so much of digging deep inside yourself to do what you your whole body mind spirit doesn't want to do and is scared to death and it creates such a lived experience of transcending fear and doing something you don't believe you can really do and uh and then sort of in it's in, in a safe atmosphere and with a bunch of people cheering you on and that kind of thing and and that sort of experience is, you know, I was just from a long, at that time really intrigued with transformation because in those moments, they, they kind of stay with you forever for most people. Um, you know, there's a whole build up to something like that. But so, so that, that, that was part of how I had always been interested in transformation in the context of trauma recovery and, um, and facilitating transformative experiences. And uh, so that that was really fun. But it, just to give your your listeners a little bit of an idea of what is tra- recreation therapy, I'd like to say uh, recreation therapists use play as medicine. So so anything that you would consider play that you would do for fun, whether it's during work or after work or anytime is uh, anything you could consider you're doing it for, for your choice and for for fun. And so dance, movement, Tai Chi, rock climbing, skiing, reading, swimming, walking, listening to music, gardening, climbing trees, you know, all those kinds of things are, are can be used towards a specific therapeutic intent. And um, so uh, that's that's in essence what we do and uh, find it very, very fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Oh, bicycling. Those kinds of things. Yeah, you're blowing my mind because I had no idea that recreation therapy was was all of these things or could be all of these things. And really, the only thing I knew about recreation therapy before just this moment is I had a friend. We have a family that we're friends with whose daughter had a brain tumor when she was a teen. And following surgery, she had first she had a physical therapy recovery process and then she did recreation therapy. But it seemed like it was physical rehab through recreation, through things like swimming. I'm not really sure. But that's so different from, although that's an aspect of recreation therapy, that's so different from the mental health focus aspect, it seems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's much more uh, physical, functional in the physical medicine, you know, where we might use board games type of thing. 
to rehab, but we also might do outings where we're taking people out into the community and, and helping the individual adjust to what is it like to recreate and play in my community now that my body's changed or my mind's changed type of thing. And how can I still have an enjoyable uh, leisure life? you know, even though I, I'm, I've got this temporary or permanent condition. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that because you might like this, that the child I was talking about who had the recreation therapy is now in school to become a recreation therapist herself. Wow. That's (laughs) really great. Yeah. You know, that, that actually happens. Um, I've, you know, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's there's a way that um, there's a story that this gentleman who's a lobbyist in Washington, D.C. for our national organization for rec therapy. And he's our lobbyist because he received recreation therapy as a teenager after an automobile accident that left him with as a with double amputee mm-hmm. situation and he said that you know he was certainly grateful for all of the the many clinicians who helped him and doctors who helped him to rehabilitate and whatnot but he said that it really was when he received the recreation therapy interventions that he felt like he came back to life when he started to go skiing again because skiing was something that he loved more than anything in the world. And when he started to ski again, he just felt like I'm going to be okay. You know, I, I, I'm going to have joy again. And, and he's, it's just such a beautiful thing, right? When, when we get to play, that's when our spirit comes out and our spirit gets to, you know, experience the vitality of what it is to be human and um, and to experience joy and relatedness in that joy and to feel our aliveness and our happiness in our in, a, in our whole body and uh, the freedom that play brings to our being it was it's it is its essence is is freedom and so uh, you know so it's just a really beautiful thing I think that we as rec therapists bring to our communities and individuals is this this delicate and I think very feminine phenomena of of, of humanity that that is so often overlooked and even viewed as unimportant than these other things in life. And yet, how long can you go in your week without play? You know, we, we just, we must have it. How long can we go in a day without some sort of relief of, 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 of a leisure moment, leisure experiences? So, so anyway, that's my whole little, you know, I could go down, I could talk about this for hours, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll say that um, part of recreation therapy that led me towards the, the transformation more specifically, a number, I don't know, it was probably it was well over a decade ago, the university gave us opportunity to lead study, abo- study abroad. She's short-term study abroad. You know, it was like it paid to go abroad, you know, and, and no have brainer. Your, you know, and, and get paid and your way is paid, you know, <laughs> just take a bunch of uh, college students with you. And, and that, you know, for some people that would be work. But for me, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds real fun. <laughs> so so I I um, led students for a number of years to first to Costa Rica and then to Peru. Mm. And um, and then uh, then my dissertation work took the best. So I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. But um, 
but uh, what I what I facilitated it as is, is transformative travel. So what my what I wanted was to facilitate the travel basically as recreation therapy, so that the students would essentially be going. The travel purpose was to heal and transform, and so the whole every step of the the the, the travel experience was designed to be towards that end. And so it was really, of course, transformative for for the students, um, by and large. And at the same time, I was doing my doctoral dissertation and needing to figure out what is my life work? What is going to be my doctoral question that I pursue for many years? And, and it became very quickly evident that what I what I what I wanted more than anything and what was my also my purpose in this earth was was to be able to study transformation and understand it more archetypally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, so as a sidestep. Um, I, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, I happen to have the same last name as her, <laughs> um, but I'm also a huge fan of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And I, I was sitting in my Redwood circle in my, my front yard, kind of yard. It's like a circle. It was a circle. I was reading an obituary little thing of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and, and, and the, and the guy who wrote the article, he just said, he said, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross gave us five words. And with those five words, she's made such a big, you know, so simple, but so, so complex. And and she gave us so much, so many people all over the world. She she gave light to something that is dark and scary and painful. And I just I just that was so um, really life changing for me to read those words. And I just thought that is powerful. To, to discern something that is archetypal, an, an invisible pattern that that regardless of, of, of whether or not her, her pattern is still perfectly valid or not, to me, doesn't matter, is that she was a pioneer in, in, in revealing an invisible pattern. Um, and um, I was just, wow, that's what I want to do, you know, mm. and, and I want my research to, I, I didn't, I just, I don't know if I just, I was like, that's what I want to do. And, and, um, and then, uh, lo and behold, I, I didn't, when I was actually figuring out what is my question and I did figure out what is my research question, I hadn't, I did not have Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in mind. I did not have her in my consciousness. I did not. Um, it's not like I said, okay, now how do I do that? You know, it, it was more speed fast forward. And, and, and my, my question that came to me, uh, based on my context of leading study abroad was, um, and loving transformation and, and loving helping people post trauma is, um, you know, what is the, what is the experience of integrating a life changing experience? What is the, what is the experience of integrating transformation? And, um, because, you know, I'd had trans life changing experiences, just like probably most people have had a life changing experience. But my, my, my quandary was, can we really integrate a life changing experience? Is it possible? Because, for example, with my students coming back from international travel, 
They say, oh, my gosh, I'm a different person. I've had this experience. I've seen these things. I've met these people. I've met a different culture, uh, different environments and ecosystems. Like, I'm not the same. But then I get home and everything's the same. My friends are the same. My people are the same. My problems are the same. All these things have not changed. And yet on the inside, I feel transformed. Can that life-changing experience be integrated all the way body, mind, spirit, so that um, it, the, the life-changing event isn't an appendage or something that is inside of us, but not infiltrated and assimilated. Um, it's, uh, is, it, is it even possible? And um, so then I went about the research um, to answer that question with a group of co-researchers. And uh, I you, you much later realized that I had um, indeed the research had um, revealed an underlying archetypal pattern of the process of transformation. And um, and later, I just was like, wow, that um, knowingly or unknowingly, uh, you know, somehow Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was maybe with me, you know, like yeah. guiding me, uh, you know, I don't know. And maybe others, too, like Joseph Campbell and whatever, you know, um, but it was, you know, a very... Uh, spiritual experience really to to see the outcomes of of the research for the first time um, because the the archetypal pattern had a has a very specific shape of a figure eight and um, and the, and it's not an arbitrary pattern or a cute pattern or even a logical pattern or a um, you know something that was contrived as a neat way to explain uh psychological information um the 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 pattern is a symbol it's it's a um it is it it exhibits the movement of transformation so that the eight itself is revealing uh psycho psycho spiritual movement of transformation as it is experienced so for example the, the there's in the figure eight movement of transformation, there's an upper part of the eight, right? And the lower part of the eight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the upper part is the transform transformative life changing experience. You know, in the case of, 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 of the, the travel abroad, for example, you know, that the upper part of the eight is like the hero's journey or anthropology rites of passage where you have the call to adventure, you depart and you go towards the adventure, you're, you're out there at that international experience having this life-changing experience, and then there's the return home, and then the return home, and you come all the way full circle. And that's all of anthropology. Like for the last 100 years, the analysis of, of rites of passage, how transformation happens is well chronicled through anthropology. But the thing is, is that in mythology, but um, the thing is, is there's still the question, well, you get home, but then what, you know, uh, is transformation really over? And, and Joseph Campbell says, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much over. And anthropology is like, yeah, you have a party and a celebration, you have food, tell stories to say what happened. And then you, you know, and it's over. You, you, then you're, you're sharing your knowledge with everyone and things go forward and everyone benefits. Um, and, uh, 
And yet at the same time, the Buddha, uh, after his experience of enlightenment, uh, it is documented that he said, I don't know if it can be communicated. I don't know if my enlightenment experience can be communicated. And, and, and therefore, you know, so it's just what happens when we get home? Is it really over? Did we really integrate? And um, the lower half, uh, you know, this, this, my study showed it isn't over. At least that's what we we concluded. It, it definitely isn't over. And um, and that and then what? It's the lower half of the figure eight. What I call the hidden half of transformation is the equal and complementary journey inwards into your darkness, into your shadow, into the feminine, into the earth, um, uh, into a very slow and uh, heavy experience that's very private, all of which are very uh, opposite of the transformative experience. And so that's, you know, I'll, I will give you, a, give a little pause here to, <laughs> to let, let you talk, but that's kind of an overview of running from uh, getting you, getting everyone to kind of like my context to, 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 to the, the topic at hand. Thank you. Thank you. And I have, I do have a couple of questions about what you just shared because um, it was very resonant for me and I'm thinking about, you know, many, many things you sparked from what you shared, but one um, definition I think would be helpful is just to make sure that for everyone who's listening, that we're all on the same page, that when you were talking about it being a archetypal pattern, um, can you tell us what you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, obviously I'm like coming more from a Jungian perspective and, um, uh, from an archetypal perspective, I mean that it is an underlying pattern by which uh, that affects that, that that is more like the river that we are moving along in. So, so the pattern is the river, and we're let's say on a little raft with a little oar, and and we're on this river and the river is informing our moment to moment reality and guiding us and pushing us and and floating us uh towards um to another moment and 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 so the archetypal pattern the archetype is uh, something that is uh, informs our moment to moment experience very fundamentally um and yet and so there 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 are commonalities then that humans experience when they are engaged, engaged and connected to, i.e. in a river of a, a pattern. And, um, uh, and that, um, by, um, let's see here. I thought my, I lost my thought here. I'm trying to like weave a little bit of that metaphor in there. <laughs> um, uh, but the, the archetypal, Oh, I don't know what I want to say is that even though there's similarities. So for example, in, in, in this figure eight, there's 13 phases. And so four in the top part of the figure eight and, and nine in the lower half for a total of 13 phases in this pattern. So, and they're overlapping and that kind of thing. Um, but they are, and they're cumulative in that you, you know, you bring with you 
the learning experiences, whatever, from each phase as you move through the phases. Um, but your own individual experience of each phase is unique to you, similar to, you know, the archetypal pattern of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, what, what in others is that, you know, my phase one, what happens in my phase one is different than your phase one, but there's all similar characteristics that we all share going through each one of the phases. So, um, you know, the first phase is the seed phase where that begins in your unconscious, that transformation begins in our unconscious. As Jung, Carl Jung says, all things arise from below, not from above. And it's, we're, we're arising out of the unconscious. This There's a, a readiness in our entire being to transform, to become an entirely different human being. And that trajectory is, is, according to what I've seen so far, a really long trajectory, as long as 15 or 20 years to become a totally different human being, have a totally different life, uh, oftentimes different different uh, relationships and um, and that kind of thing. And it's all coming out of seed one. But what happens to you in this in that seed is, you know, going to be different than among various people. So I hope that gives a little bit of an idea of what am I talking about with archetype? Yeah. So the archetype, meaning that there are the phases that are, you know, that share the same characteristics, but the experience is unique to each person. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying because I, I don't know about other people, but sometimes if there's a word I don't get, I mm -hmm. can get stuck on not understanding the word and I mm -hmm. lose being able to follow what the person was talking about. So I just want to make sure that didn't happen for anybody. For sure. Thank you. And then another question I have is when you're talking about these life changing experiences, I guess I'm wondering, is it only positive experiences or is it any type of, you know, like, for example, you talked about the lobbyist and he had been in a serious car crash and lost his legs. Was the life-changing experience the crash or was the life-changing experience, you know, not that, I mean, to single him out, but just using an example like that, would the experience be the recreation therapy and the adventures that were part of that? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, or this both. is where, <laughs> right, right. This is where, uh, you know, transformation starts to get real complex real quickly because the, to, to, to talk about first year, your first comment, the life-changing experience, which is phase three, the catalyst, uh, the transformative experience, um, that can be either a traumatic or crisis oriented, or it can be, you know, a feel good okay. positive experience. So in the case of my students abroad, you know, that's obviously a feel good life changing experience. Whereas, of course, transformation happens to trauma and, and, and that type of thing, you know, and, you know, and in, in, in the case of trauma, you know, there's a shattering uh, of the psyche. And then in the case of the, um, of a feel good life changing experience, um, you know, there's an expanding mm -hmm. of, uh, of the psyche. So, you know, that's, that's very market and it's usually, you know, we can, we, they thought that phase stands out, you know, when was the last life changing experience, you know, that you had, but the thing is, is that the, the if the life changing experience is a trauma, and then you get down, you get, get you get, uh, you return from the trauma, which means you've you've um, you've gotten through the phase of, of surviving it. 
you've gotten through surviving, you go into the lower part of the transformation process, you get down to phase eight, which is dismemberment. And dismemberment is the dissolution of the, the previous identity. And so, yeah, because transformation is essentially a change in identity, right? A, a change of the self, the fundamental structures of the self. And so that, you know, has the old has to dissolve, i.e. die, the ego death or dark night of the soul before, you know, there can be birth and the rebuilding of the new self. And so phase eight is the critical, you know, of course, the life changing experience is, is, is key to transformation. But then the other equal opposite key is dismemberment, because without dismemberment, you don't have transformation. So you, you can have this wonder, this wonderful life changing experience. But if you don't dismember, you don't transform the same as if you have a traumatic experience and you don't go through dismemberment, the you don't integrate the trauma. And then you got all these people who haven't integrated their trauma and it's because they haven't been through dismemberment. And um, so, I mean, this dismemberment is what causes transformation to be permanent. So so now to get a little bit more like an example Okay. Is so a short example is a brief example is my previous neighbor where I used to live uh, was a Navy SEAL and he was really clear that being a Navy SEAL was you know had many traumas uh, and so he being a Navy SEAL was was definitely catalytic transformation through trauma. When after returning home he went into dismemberment when his wife left him mm. and he was very clear Susie being a navy seal was nothing not anywhere near as difficult as having my wife leave me it is far more painful having her gone than anything i experienced as a navy seal and that's a perfect description of the difference between the trauma of the life changing experience and the dis- the pain involved with dismemberment it's just a different experience that is much, everything in the lower half is more intimate. Mm. The lower half of, of transformation is is intimate and private, and it, it and it's central. It's it centrally involves grief as as the transformative agent. So that that's one example of kind of giving a little bit of a flavor of how this is different. And yes, it's like oh my gosh, if you transform through trauma, you go through two painful experiences to to get to transformation and the answer is yes you know sadly that or not sadly that is the case but it's hard to be human and um but the good news is is that you know transformation if we look at anything you know a, a butterfly if we look at a flower if we look at a frog i mean these examples in nature of transformation you know we know the end of the story in transformation the end of the story is it's something so beautiful comes out of transformation, something more beautiful than we could possibly imagine. When you look at a seed and then you look at a redwood tree, when you look at a seed and see a flower, when you see a caterpillar and then you see a butterfly, I mean, there is there are worlds of difference between A and Z and the end result is magnificent and and 
So if we can just go through the process of transformation and, 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 and recognize these phases by looking backwards in our life, if we've already gone through a full transformation, we can start to easily see, oh, yeah, that's why that happened 10 years ago. And that's what I was going through eight years ago. And that's what I was going through 15 years ago. Ah, how about that? And you can start to see, oh, my goodness gracious, I'm almost there. No wonder I feel so much better. No wonder this is happening in my life. No wonder that, uh, you know, I have the money I need to do what I love now and the people around me to support me because I've almost transformed and look at me now. I can't believe that I am where I am. Uh, I would not have dreamed that I'd be where I am where I am. And, and that's that's the product of transformation. And 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 when we can start seeing that and getting to know these 13 phases, then we can trust the process when it's difficult, when it's painful, when it's confusing and disorienting and dark. We can say, okay, I, I, I trust that I'm transforming and that this, this is, there's, this is legit. And then I'm, and if I just keep moving and keep feeling my feelings every now and then, that I'm actually going to transform and, and it's going to be a new day. Let's just pause for a moment so I can give you a little bit more information about why I love therapy notes. I switched to therapy notes a few years ago. I'd say it's about three years now, I believe. And I have never regretted it. I was very happy with the EHR I used before, but therapy notes is more intuitive. I love the interface the customer service is fantastic. And I love how I can get my notes done quickly because I can customize the template that I use for my notes. And there are opportunities to put check marks rather than having to write out the intervention used. So I have cut my time spent writing notes way down, which is wonderful because I like to focus on seeing clients I know documentation is an important part of our work, but it can also be time consuming. And that is why I love using therapy notes. If you are considering switching EHRs or you're looking for one to use in your practice, give therapy notes a try. You can get two free months by using the code therapy chat. Now let's get back to our interview. Wow. Yeah, that's so inspiring. And I see that I've experienced it in my own life, though, I would say that I don't think I've been as conscious of the process as the way you're describing it. So I don't know if I've gone through all of the phases, but it is I think it's kind of a comforting thing to hold on to to know that your worst experiences can bring your most beautiful experiences and your most beautiful expression of life when the only thing when horrible things happen, the only thing that we can often think is like, I'll never be the same. I'll never, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be okay again, you know, and to, to hold on and believe that things could actually be even better than they were is definitely not the, the place that we automatically go to. So I think that's a beautiful mm -hmm. truth to be able to hold. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, that's why I wrote the book, because when I, I know the literature pretty darn well. And when I saw the figure eight and I understood, obviously understood it because I'd been, you know, I 
co-researcher in the pro- the lead, obviously, of the, the project. And, oh, my gosh, I was like, wow, this is not known. You know, this information is not available. Like, it is not existing in the literature. And if people, if we can just know this, these, do you have this process of transformation demystified and, and go through it once with our eyes a little bit more open, we can, it's just not nearly as awful. You know, it's just changes everything, you know, as far as just saying, oh my gosh, you know, and, and slowly being able to trust it. Even for me, like I know this, right? I've been studying this for more than 15 years and 20 years. And, and, and even for me in my own daily life and my own, um, you know, problems and pain that, that, that have things that happen that are painful. And I know this. I'm like, OK, I know where I am in the process. I know this is normal. I know I'm supposed to be having this type of experience and feeling. But, oh, my gosh, can it just be over? You know, can I just get to the next phase that I'm going to start feeling better? You know, and but I I at least I have the comfort that um, that I I feel that this this knowledge is valid and that I could trust it. And then I then I can trust the 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 that what's happening to me, it, it too shall pass. Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. It's like hearing when you're going through something like that, hearing someone say this too shall pass. You know, you're like, I hope so. Like, really? It, but when you've experienced it yourself and then, you know, next time you're going through hard things. OK, this is part of the process. I think that itself can be just so comforting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I wanted to see, and I'm not sure if this is what you want to do, so I just ask you, do you want to tell our listeners all of the 13 phases and and describe them, or is that more just something that you would want them to get the book so they can understand? Sure. Yeah, I, I would love to share the 13 phases, and what I would say is, as a premise, is that um, I really wanted to write this book not as a textbook, not as a scholarly book or as a clinical book per se. Uh, but I really wanted to write the book for that, for, for, for the, the, for general audience so that it could be of help to others. And so, um, what I, through the help of many people and the guidance of many, the, the, like 75 or 80% of the, the, the book, I would say 75% is two people's stories. So uh, what I do is I, I interviewed two people over the course of about six years. And I got to know every nanosecond of their life that transpired across about a 15 to 20 year period. And I chronicle their transformation from beginning to end through all the 13 phases. And so and then so I take the reader through each of the 13 phases in their voice. So um, much of each chapter then is is them recalling what happened to them during the t- that time period. Like literally, what did they feel? What did they think? What was happening in their life? You know, how did they react? And all these things in a very sort of vulnerable, transparent way. And then in between their quotes, I do little descriptions like, OK, what Kenny just said is, you know, that's how this connects to the phase two. And, you know, so I weave in my own words to, to like make sense. How does what they just say, what did they, how, 
how what they just said about their life, uh, how is that emblematic of of that particular phase? How does that exemplify and show, like reveal the the, the that phase as it's unfolding in their life? And um, so that's kind of how the book goes, which is I think really really fun mm-hmm. um, because it's because um, it, it's it's then it's not me going and then this is what happens next, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a, it's someone else, you know. So anyway, I I think that's fun, and it's Kenny and Rod. Uh, the the two individuals. There are there are other little story vignettes that I weave throughout the thing, but it's Kenny and Radha for the most part. So that said, I'll take us quickly through the the thirteen phases. The first phase is, is seed, like mm-hmm. I said, and that's like the call to adventure. Joseph Campbell calls to adventure, coming out from the unconscious, readiness to transform. Uh, spurring us towards some sort of action, typically unconsciously, of course. And then phase two is departure, where you leave ordinary life, you know, knowingly or unknowingly, you know, and this is more like just psycho spiritually, you know, you're leaving ordinary life, you're still doing your more than likely, you're still, you know, living your life just as usual. May or may not, unless you're like, I'm going to go to Africa to go find my roots, you know, mm-hmm. then you've like actually departed or, you know, there's different ways you might depart. Like, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to go back to college. And you you yeah. start you know, going back to college, you've departed. The life changing experience is phase three, like I said before, catalyst, peak or trauma. And that, you know, can be an event or it can be a series of events. It could happen over the period of months or years if you're deployed in Afghanistan. You know, um, then there's the return and the return is when you know that you're you're headed back and or the, the, the catalyst is 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 essentially over and you're in like off gassing from from the pivotal experience then you return home which is at the center of the figure eight into displacement displacement is a brief phase it's when you feel um you know you're neither here nor there you're like kind of still back at your life-changing experience and you're like whoa i'm back you know what now and um so if if your house burned down as your life-changing experience you know, there's no home to go back to. So what, what is what is it when you, know, you get into displacement? And that is when the shock wears off and when you go back to work. You know, when you start going back to work, when routine starts happening again, that's that's when you've returned and you're in displacement uh, initially. Um, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm back at work and my house will burn down. Oh, my gosh, this is totally weird. Like, who am I? Where am I? I'm like, totally, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I just want to like eat normal food. And, you know, and so that happens, you know, that's like I said, it's a very brief phase, you know, really it's often only a couple weeks. And then, um, then goes into grief and denial phase six. And that's where you vacillate between the two. Like you're either in denial that the good thing happened, that, that you're back. So if you had a positive experience, you're you're in denial that it's over you know you're like oh i don't want it to be over i just want to go back to the honeymoon i want to go back to the wonderful experience and i'm in denial that it's over and then you're and then you go into grief oh i'm so sad it's over i really want that beautiful experience back uh, you know getting married was the best day of my life and and i just want to be back there on that altar it was so special or whatever and then the bad the the negative or the um, uh, the uh, traumatic experience 
as a catalyst, when you get to grief and denial, you're in denial that it happened, mm-hmm. like, uh, that, that that did not happen. And then, and then in moments of clarity where you're like, oh, no, that happened. And there's grief. Oh, my God, that happened. That was absolutely awful. And so you're vacillating grief and denial. That happens for a while, considerable amount of time. But then denial wears off. And denial can only take you so far. And then you go into disorientation. Disorientation is when you have is, is all about the identity crisis. When when you're when you no longer have the cloak of of denial to protect you, you have to face yourself. You know who am I now that I have had this life changing experience? What the heck? I don't even know who I am anymore. Like you know, I I I think I'm this, but I don't know if I'm that. And you know, I, what do I want out of life now that I've had this experience? I, I know I. You know, I, I got maybe I have a dream, but how the heck am I supposed to get to that dream? It seems impossible. There's no way I can get it. That's just a pipe dream. And it's just really hard to be in disorientation. You're confused. You you have ideas about how you want to be a healthier, happier person and you try to do it. But then your old ways kick in and then you have relapse and you're just like, oh, man, I'm a disaster. And then uh, if you have enough ego strength and ego maturity, You'll go into dismemberment, which is phase eight, the dark night of the soul. Most of your listeners will know what I'm talking about with that. And, um, you know, it's when when that's the dissolution of the previous self, of the outdated self. And um, oftentimes where you lose everything that is dear to you, it's a lot of grief. You lose control of key aspects of your life and or body. Or, you know, so you lose, you lose your job or you lose a partner or you lose a house or you lose your job or you lose, you lose something pretty significant that, yeah, your health and, and, and that causes the, the dissolution. And then, um, then you go into phase nine after that. So just dismemberment is, is, can be a couple years. Disorientation can be a couple years. Surrender healing a couple years. And surrender is, uh, you have a surrender experience that allows you to, that the circumstances cause you to have no choice but to enact a new pattern, a healthier pattern and to end an outdated pattern. And um, the circumstances are, the stakes are such that you pretty much have no choice but to do the thing that causes you to squirm and that you would do anything to avoid. But because of the circumstances, you must take action. And that action causes a severing of the uh, an old and deeply entrenched pattern that's ready to die and then you you go into a phase that into healing where everything in your life conspires to help you have healing moments whether it's a new neighbor who moved in and the previous neighbor for 20 years was mean and nasty and antagonistic and then the new neighbor is like super nice and sweet and so that's healing you know it's like these ways that life is salve for your being and and has more sweetness and and just gives you little medicines that uh, make that you've needed for a long time and it's really nice and then birth phase which is phase 10 is very very subtle it's um it's it's hard for me to even recognize the the birth moments as they're happening and it's when the the new you emerges for the first time i would say in in three-dimensional form so um just as a baby is born and birthed and we get to see it and and the baby's tangible to to all of us for the first time uh it's the same thing with with transformation that the new you emerges through these three moments are so totally awesome. 
And um, it's really quite spiritual, I think, because it's literally a new being is on the planet and uh, it's really special. And then abundance and creativity is, is the phase 11. And that's when all of your hard work of going through transformation, all the rewards start happening. And they just don't, they, all the rewards just keep happening until you're integrated. And, um, you know, you, you, the creativity comes from that deep darkness that you, that you went into and, 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 and the new you, the new structure that is emerging is designed to share the gifts that it brings. So, and, and then the life brings circum, there are circumstances in your life that, that are perfectly conspiring and emerging so that you can share your gifts. And, 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 and there's, it's like a magnet, you know, you, you're, you're, you're just emerging out of the darkness and you, you, you love more than anything in the world to help your community and, and to have, to create a special program for the kids in your community. And you've wanted to do that forever, but you were, you know, busy doing this and that. And all of a sudden a shift happens in your work and now you have more time. And then you, you to do this thing that you've always want to do. And then, then you meet two people that are like, got just the right complementary skills and they want to do what you want to do and they want to partner and help you. And all of a sudden, then, and then somebody comes along and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I've, I got extra money and I've always been wanting to give and, you want some money and like, so all sorts of things start happening to help you to give and to create with what you love and what specifically how, how you're designed to perfectly give this, this, this as who you are and your love. And then phase 12 is um, power. And uh, that life slows down a little bit. Uh, phase 11 abundance creativity is very uh, busy and a very busy time and and uh phase 12 is which i'm i'm going to be entering soon mm-hmm. um and thank goodness because when when phase 12 comes things start slowing down and it's not so hectic and because there's, there's so many opportunities in phase 11 there's so you can barely keep up with it phase 12 is things start slowing down you start getting at a nice pace you know what you're doing you got your stuff down think you're established people know you for what you're great at you love what you're doing you know, things are just starting to really cruise along and you get to, you get to be the master of what you love and, and, um, and others know it and it's really, it feels good. And then, um, phase 13, which is the final phase, which is integration, where you've integrated the life changing experience into your body, mind, spirit. So the catalytic peak or trauma, what the, the you that you, that, that, that you glimpsed and that you touched and that you received during that catalyst, you have completely integrated. And, and when you're at integration, your life, your, your external life mirrors your internal life perfectly. And so that there is a seamlessness, a breathing, a opening, an openness, a fluidity between your external life and your internal life. The things you value and the things that are all exhibited in your life, that your health on the inside is exhibited in your external life and vice versa. And um, it is a state of homeostasis, of balance between the inner and outer, the masculine and feminine 
the, and is what I believe when we say we want to transform, this is what we actually want. Yeah. I can't believe you were able to explain this so quickly, but thank you. Thank you. And as you were saying what each phase was, I was thinking about different things. Like, for example, my, my daughter was studying abroad last fall. And so, you know, thinking about what her experience was like when she came back fit so much with some of the things you were talking about. Of course, you know, she just came back in December, so she's not completely through all of these phases. But and then thinking about like sort of how I see the way my work with clients, I'm also a trauma therapist, goes and how, you know, these these phases make sense for what I see the process being with my clients. So, so cool. And just then, you know, also thinking about myself because Last year, I don't, I don't know if you heard this by any chance, but I talked about it in January on the podcast last year. I had a family member, one of my parents was very ill and almost died, but then they didn't die. And that was a transformational experience for me while it was happening and afterwards. And I'm still very much in the thick of that. So it was sort of reassuring just to think about this process and where I am. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this makes sense. Cause you know, our culture says, I mean, your parent almost died. They didn't die. So now everything's fine. Go back to normal. And it's like, well, I wish I could, but it doesn't feel, you know, doesn't feel normal. Things don't seem normal. So gives me a little more empathy for my own, like where I am as that process is moving through my life. So I really appreciate this. Mm -hmm. This is really, really, really mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm super excited about it too, because I think it, it can help a lot of people. But one thing I'll say real quickly is um, when you said that is that Judith Herman's work was so uh, informative of my whole life. Oh my God, she's my hero. And um, one of the things that she, I believe it was she that I learned from her is just how the moment that we have a trauma, it's just, there's a separation. The, like yeah. as, as soon as that happens, you become separated from other yourself, from others. There's a distinct separate separateness that that is is fundamentally informs your moment to moment reality and that um, separateness. I if we look at that at the figure eight, that happens all the way from the phase three all the way to phase ten. So from the top of the eight to the bottom of the eight. Mm. So it's half of transformation where we're separated, where we we have a sense of like this is my new normal, but oh my god, like I'm not like this isn't normal. You know that whole like you were just talking about the separateness. Like I can't go back to normal life. Mm. You know so that that those that land. Language is talking about the experience of being separated. Yeah. And, and, and that, and there's this, it's such an awful, strange, disorienting feeling to have this disconnectedness from self, from others, self to, to self to self, but then self to others. And in phase 10, that's when you re-enter the world, you know? And, and so when you, you, like, when you're working with clients or when you're looking at yourself, you will feel different. You won't feel that forever. You'll only feel that till phase 10. And phase 10, then you're going to re-enter into the world as a new person, no longer separate. You will reconnect. And you're reconnecting to others and you're reconnecting to, to like, uh, I don't want to say self, but it's where the self that was separated became joined. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, you know, I love Judith Harmon's work too. And Trauma and Recovery is a, definitely a seminal book for anybody mm-hmm. who's doing trauma therapy work or anybody who wants to understand more about trauma. Mm-hmm. But that what you said about that separateness, that's that feels so true. Mm-hmm. The um, the uh, if people are interested in learning, if your re- listeners are li- interested in learning more, you know, there's obviously <laughs> I wrote the book and spent the decade of my life trying to write that thing, or, you know, uh, so that people read it. So I really do hope people read it. But the other uh, resource I have is my website. And there, I have a quiz anyone can take uh, that's on the uh, the website where you can learn what phase are you in. Hmm. You know, ho- hopefully the little quiz is is a, an effective tool uh, that when you when you take when you you respond to the thir- thirty five questions that hopefully at the end the phase that is is accurate that says okay I, we think you're at in this phase. And then you can go to the page on my webpage that's dedicated to that phase and and read more about the phase. You can there's a poem that that, that personifies the phase. Oh my gosh, then, I love this. Yes. It, well, I'm a recreation therapist, so I gotta make it playful. <laughs> you know. So um but but my favorite part is is the little video. And so there's a video on each phase. It's only like four minutes and three to four minutes each. Um but what I did was to so very carefully select artwork that is emblematic of the phase so that the artwork speaks thousands of words about what it's like to be in that phase. And so then I have an overlay of my voice as I'm showing you these different images and explaining how the image can tell you about that phase. And some the images are just, oh, my gosh, you look at the image and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's how I feel. And it's really, really mm-hmm. it's so exciting. So I just hope that people use that the resources on that page, um, those pages to to be of help to clients and, and themselves. Oh, my gosh, that's so beautiful. And yes, and I have your book and people should get your book. But your website sounds like a really beautiful way for people to learn more and make them want to read the whole book. You know, I I want to go check out where I am now, now that we talked about this. <laughs> so uh-huh. what is your website so people can go find that? Yeah, it's www.suzyrossross.net. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes and then... Where? My, social, my social media is Susie Ross author. Okay. Um, where can our listeners find the map to wholeness? A simple search on the internet. Um, if you say the map to wholeness, you should get number of portals to buy it electronically. Um, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and um, Penguin Publishing, Target. Those are the main booksellers these days. And I think, and um the other thing is an audiobook will be coming out eventually. Ooh, is, yay. Yeah, which is really fun. Very cool. And I want, we don't have enough time to talk anymore now, but I want you to come back and talk with me about more about recreation therapy. And honestly, I know this sounds corny, but I really want to hear about your dissertation study because working with people who've experienced sexual violence, that's been my work from when I started and 
long before I got my master's in 2002, I was working with people in a sexual assault crisis center. And that's extremely meaningful work to me and, you know, carries into my current practice now, of course. But the empowerment piece, that's so huge. And mm. I really want to understand more about what you found in your in your dissertation. So will you please consider coming back on Therapy Chat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. That'd be fun. Wonderful. Well, Susie, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise. So happy you having, you're having me. And thank you for all that you do. I was looking at your website and I was like, oh, my goodness, what a wonderful servant to our community and our lives. I'm so grateful for all you do. So thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Today's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. There are many ways to keep your practice organized, but Therapy Notes is the best. Their easy-to-use, secure platform lets you not only do your billing, scheduling, and progress notes, but also create a client portal to share documents and request signatures. Plus, they offer amazing unlimited phone support, so when you have a question, you can get help fast. To get started with the practice management software trusted by over 60,000 professionals, go to therapynotes.com and start a free trial today. If you enter promo code therapy chat, they will give you two months to try it out for free. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.